and not even just on a housing standpoint, but like from the website to the Instagram, to the photos, to the font, like understanding that brand flows through all aspects. Hey everyone, Michael Conrad here with the Business of Homes podcast. I am back with Josh Ellis. I had to bring him back because this man knows so much about so many things and, in my opinion, is a great connector of many different verticals. And I think that's really important for this podcast in general because we are itching and scratching at this sort of underlying part of real estate. And underneath real estate, we're not just selling homes. We're not just facilitating people getting into the next place to sleep. We are really trying to achieve a much larger sort of metaphysical higher goal here where they can host, where they can come together. Neighborhoods, cities are formed from homes. And so at the end of the day, Josh and I have known each other for a long time because he has connected back to me in so many different respects. Mm. You have touched the world of design, the world of style, the world of community connection, and of course, real estate that sort of binds it all together. And so uh, I'm just really glad to see you again, man. Thanks for coming back. It's good to be here. And um, I, I would love for our listeners to sort of go with us on a journey where we try to weave together and sew together these sort of somewhat disparate elements. Like if you talk to someone about like fashion or style or design, I mean, you could be talking about a wide variety of subject matters, none, none of which I would say natively connect back to mm. homes and real estate. But oh my gosh, it, if you find the pathway back, it's such an easy connection. Mm. I think just my approach and view on the world I don't know where it came from. The simplicity, simplicity, monochrome, everything is like beige, black, white, minimal, but it flows through so much of my life. It's the Gucci ads of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where I've never like, I've actually never categorized them of like, here's what I like in real estate and design uh, more so in like the architectural standpoint. Here's what I like in vehicles. Here's what I like in fashion. Weirdly, it's like my style and how it then approaches each one of those segments. Like if you looked at my Pinterest, you'd be like, this is all the same person. Like these shoes kind of look like the same style that would fit in that house. And then the car channel kind of looks like the cars that would be in that garage of that house. And it just has a, a way, I don't know, it's like branding, design, architecture. No matter what the space or the industry is, I feel like I just have a way of seeing it in a certain, from my perspective, which generally is more minimal, more modern, or like, I don't think I have a, sh I know for a fact I don't have a shirt with a logo or any print on it. Yeah. Not one. I've been given stuff. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> trash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a Nike strike, but I'm like, but it's got to be, it's this color and it's for the gym with those shorts. <laughs> Okay, Which are also Nike. So what you're getting at, though, is, is an interesting concept because design sometimes starts in a place where we express it, mm. and sometimes it starts earlier. And, and I would not consider myself a high design person, so I probably fall more into a traditional camp where I see design as through the lens 
of a specific application. Yeah. So the design of a home, mm. um, but differentiating a home's exterior versus yeah. a home's interior. Um, design through how I look in photos, in fashion, in style in that way. And so how has this changed over time where you have formed this design identity? Because that's what you're really getting at. And I would say that many great designers over time um, have a very clear sense of a design identity that is transcendent between applications or even atypical for that time. So how has that developed for you? Where, where did you start to see that early come up? I think, I mean, I come from a large family of creative people. Um, even going back to my parents, just, I think I know where it comes from. This might be the first time I've, someone's asked me a question that's allowed me to connect dots. Nice. My parents did not invest a lot of money into tangible things like, here's a car. Here's all these things that you want. Here's this pair of shoes. Here's the skateboard. Like they could have, but they didn't. By nature, they were more about culture. So they invested money into us experiencing different places around the world. So I would say by 18, I had probably seen over 20, 15 to 20 countries. Oh, wow. But yet I was, my dad was still like, how much money do you have for your first car? You know, I was like, I know he can buy me a car. <laughs> he was actually a car dealer, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point was for them, there was so much about seeing not just the world through the eye of somebody on vacation, but seeing it through the eye of the person that lives in that culture, respecting it, understanding it. And, you know, we have a lot of, you know, on my mom's side, we were actually the first generation on her side of Americans. Hmm very much European descent and, you know, backpack Europe when I was in middle school, um, probably could have done like the hotel thing and real nice, but instead it was like, no, we're all getting a backpack and we're going to go through seven or eight countries. And I think that now kind of looking back at a young age, helped me kind of see the world from someone else's culture. And then really probably created this melting pot effect of like, man, I love the angle on that building. Do I want to be an architect? No. <laughs> Am I interested in architecture? Yes. What about that angle? And I think, I don't know, that, that's probably where it started is just seeing, not seeing the same neighborhood in the same city all throughout my childhood, but experiencing different neighborhoods and different cities and different perspectives of life across multiple different countries. And I think, I don't know how that all warped into my worldview of design and perspective and the way I see things, but I, I definitely now hindsight know that those had a really large impact on that. Well, I, I think that we are fed a certain diet of prepackaged design mm -hmm. from advertisers and anyone listening to this podcast has been around, you know, long enough where advertisers have been all over your life forever. And so, yeah, I think we consume a certain aesthetic that's, you know, packaged. Mm. And so I don't know if we necessarily have the seeds to plant and germinate in that soil, so to speak, mm -hmm. that grows a sense of personal design. And I'm, and I'm sure some of it's genetics too. Um, but this idea of a multifaceted sort of cultural understanding yeah. or being able to see 
many different perspectives allows you to not only just in a simplistic sort of way, pick and choose mm. to form design aesthetic, but it allows you to kind of begin to blend and blur the lines because nothing is being force fed to you. So that's, yeah. a, that's an interesting idea that as we begin to open and expand our own design palettes, that you have a better chance for your own design aesthetic to sort of come up and out of that. I think as you know, you're always being introduced to like, different trends that's always been something i've always been weary of it's like oh here we go what's on trend what's on trend or without even consciously thinking about this liking something and it be a little peculiar or people may ask like why did you paint that house black i'm like i don't know and they're like i've never seen anybody paint their house black and i'm like you probably will just wait right and you know, then trying to figure out, is it too black? Is it the right black? And then people are like, it's black. I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of different colors of black, right? <laughs> and then getting it, having that house only to then three years later be like, there's a black house all throughout Nashville on every street. It, was the, it became the black and white, everything black HPR on this side, then a white house yeah. mirrored on this side. Yeah, monochromatic, yeah. Monochromatic. And that's but, been a design aesthetic that's come in and out over the ages. So it's no mm-hmm. surprise that we're back there. But yes, this idea that taking an innovative step is the risk, mm-hmm. but may also be ahead of the trend. In fact, literally looking around and saying, well, what is everybody else doing? And then not doing that. Mm-hmm you know, is, I think, a piece of the puzzle. I'm not sure you're going to hit a ringer every single time. Right. Well, and a lot of like, when you look overseas, a lot of those trends are generally happening significantly more frequent. Do they come over here soon after? Right. And, you know, again, I think probably a lot of my inspiration around things is probably a little bit more of a European descent in some ways like i go over there and i'm like oh, i belong here like leave just leave me in paris and i'll blend in and you know i'll get an accent at some point but no i just i think growing up in that probably plays a significant role but then i you know even like you know it's funny because if i look at every i've had 30 something cars every single car was a reflection of that part of my life from like the color i was interested in and maybe the angle was it a more round because it that was the model of that car at that time to, was it a sixties vehicle, a seventies vehicle? And that, like, I can look at even the cars and be like, man, those were an outward expression of an internal reality, which is that is how I saw the, my world represented in a vehicle. Or if you go to my house, even though if I had the money, my house would, you know, look a little bit different but I'm doing the best I can. And it is still a reflection. Like people walking in and be like, all right, this is definitely a Josh Ellis house or are even our rental properties. I'm like, we could just do the basic, but I'm like, but how can we do the basic, but still have an expression of who I am. And that's why like on a lot of our rental properties, like I love owning that aspect of it. And it's a rental property that someone's going to rent for seven or $800 maybe, but I'm like, yeah, but still we, we need to do it with an expression, right? Right. Uh, down to like the packaging of our companies, you know, bottles, like all of it, it really, to me is like, I don't, it's hard for me to see it any other way. Meaning it's like, I have this, I guess a lens that I see things now and people will compliment it. But sometimes I'm like, it's just how I see it. 
you know, it's well, like, so that's why I know it's part of my nature. It becomes a sense that like, if you're going to have to make a choice and we all make a choice with the car we drive, the house mm -hmm. we live in, how we decorate, you know, what items we purchase, there is a choice that is in line with one sense of personal design. And, and that gets us back to houses, which is another piece of your larger journey. And such an important understanding that there is not just traditional big architecture trends in design, mm -hmm. but the design sort of touches many different aspects of the home, you know, really down to a more granular technical level that we're really not kind of getting at right now, but that homes ultimately become an expression of self mm -hmm. and homes become a place where you can begin to ally your business identity with something, you know? And so this idea that homes are the connection point where design connects in, it, it isn't where most people start. Most people are thinking like you have talked about style, clothing, you know, these sorts of things, but homes ultimately have just as much of that. Have you seen the trends change here in Nashville? Have you tried to involve yourself with certain aspects of the trends to sort of fix your brand to that? Maybe not so much in real estate, just my involvement in that is obviously scaled back over the last few years, but I would say in the industry I'm in, well, before I go there, when I was very heavily involved in real estate, yes, it was, you know, seeing designs before I think they were seen here, but knowing there was a small amount of people that w would fight to make that their house, right? It was like, hey, we can build a, a house that blends in on this street, or we can do one that stands out and it's not going to be for everybody but it just needs to be for somebody, right? You only need one person to buy a house. So for me, it was like, do it the way I'll, I like it. And someone that sees the world in that way will want it bad enough, right? To me, that was how I would have always approached it was, you know, otherwise there's, it's not as inspiring to just do, well, we know this will sell right away and there's a bunch of people. I'm like, yeah, but if we're going to get up and do the work and carry the risk and borrow the money and, you know, put the time and energy in, let's, still make it something that we love. So I think that was my approach in real estate and not even just on a housing, stand, housing standpoint, but like from the website to the Instagram, to the photos, to the font, like understanding that brand flows through all aspects of someone's experience of working with you. So when I was doing real estate full time, I think that was always very important is even the email needed to look and feel like a reflection of maybe the house they would go see that we were listing or, you know, had renovated and brought to the market. So I think that like making like my approach to real estate was very much cohesive, even down to like, oh, your car's completely blacked out. And it's funny, we've seen three houses today that are black. I'm like, yeah, I knew you would like them because you reached out to me. Like you knew what you were getting. And that also is a big part of, I felt like a lot of the clients that I worked with in real estate would come to me because they were generally looking for the type of houses that they knew I could help them find. Because on Instagram, it was like, I'm showing them what I'm interested in, knowing that I was creating kind of a niche customer that's like, we want modern. We like that. Or we like mid-century. Because I'm like, well, that's what I like. So I think, yes, that was, I tried to, in real estate, kind of push the envelope toward bringing design as, you know, the forefront of how I approach that business. And then now being in beverage, which is the company 
that I started now, it's kind of also doing the same thing. It's like bringing that same level of, like I said, an outward expression of how I think beverage should look. And it looks so different than a lot of what's on the shelf, but it's also the thing that's drawing a lot of new customers to us because they're like, I didn't know if it was, uh, the amount of times I have heard this is incredible. I didn't know if this was shampoo. I didn't know if it was a high-end fragrance. I didn't know what to do with it at first, but I go, but it was in the beverage section. It, it brought that much curiosity that guess what they had to do? They had to pick it up and explore it. So it almost became design, became a tripwire for curiosity in a very crowded, saturated market of bottles sitting on a shelf. So isn't that fascinating? And the other thing, which I think was really cool to think about, when we approach creating our packaging on the bot or just the business itself, it's a product, it's a cocktail, it's, one of, it's this bottle right here, and there's a whole lineup of them, different colors and Pantones. I thought through... Okay, let's think about all the sensory. This is like how design meets the human psychology of sorts. It was, okay, we need the packaging visually to draw them in and make them think, I can trust this because it feels like there's luxury. It feels high-end. It feels quality, right? So I'm like, our customer is going to see it, and the branding needs to embody that. That. That makes them lean in. Then when they grab it, they're going to feel the glass. So now they have this feel. And the feel is going to make them, again, believe that there must be quality. Because we are one of the most expensive uh, products in our category in the world. So I'm like, was thinking through this whole thing, right? So I'm like, glass, there's the touch, right? Then I'm like, okay, when they open it and they smell it, it needs to, they need to smell like real ingredients, real lime juice. So I thought about that aspect, right? Then when they go to taste it, we're going through all these senses of someone's experience of our product. I'm like, up to this point, the last thing I can do is let them down on taste. I got them through all these stages of purchasing and trusting, and then they get home and taste bad. So taste was a really big deal. And it's honestly the most important because that's what's going to make someone repurchase that beverage again. And then the last one was more of an emotional sensory, which was like when they realize that the name of our company, Withco, stands for With Company, what they're going to realize when they're sitting around the room with friends and family is like, dude, I, I now am fulfilling the mission of this company, and it's now a mission of my life. And when you think about that approach, it all of a sudden makes this little bottle sitting on a shelf feel like when you know the full story it feels way more intentional, like every aspect of our packaging. And it was the first time I was able to really bring something fully to life, not just like the paint on a house or the design of an email, but like we're going to bring a product from idea to like a full outward expression of design. I think it's a great example of like our approach to it, real intentionality. Hey everyone, it's Jake, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you've been enjoying today's episode, starting with the influences on our own design, the origins of trends, and how brand flows through every aspect of yourself, from the house to even your emails. When we return, Michael and Josh dive into how design carves out your niche, Josh's advice to set yourself apart, and the creation of Josh's community-driven organization. You don't want to miss this. 
Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Business of Homes Pod, where you can interact with us and see some great bite-sized pieces from all of our episodes. For you listeners out there, did you know our entire podcasts are filmed and are on our YouTube channel? Check it out next time you want to see our amazing guests tell their stories. And are you currently watching this episode in video format? Don't forget to follow us on your preferred audio streaming service to take us with you on the go. Lastly, do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at thebusinessofhomespodcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the rest of today's episode with Josh Ellis. Let's get back to it. It reminds us that design is behind all of it. Mm. It's behind the reasons why we choose things and feel things. Yeah. And as we, we sort of connect back to this sense of like design and community and real estate, it all connects because they all are the underlying piece of the puzzle. At any one aspect, if you look at design, you say, oh, well, it's the reason why I feel at home in this community mm. because design is a shared passion. Or if you look at community and you say, oh, well, community is what drew us all together. And now we can enjoy these things. There's sort of an ongoing yeah. future joy that comes out of it. And then real estate, of course, is the place. It's, we don't exist outside of place. Place gives us the chance to appreciate something that is designed yeah. well or to appreciate it with someone in that community piece. And I love the thought that goes into that. And we talked about another podcast, this idea that this niche, focusing on what's not being done, focusing on the ability to create and carve out a niche of your own. Yes, it, it actually is more risky in some respects than other choices. Mm. However, it feels, it has a, it has a more clear cut result. Yeah. has a more clear-cut result because ultimately when you begin to carve out a niche for yourself as a real estate professional or as a business professional, you're going to see that return and that result yeah. almost right away because you're yeah. going to see that audience respond. Yeah. And I think one of the, the biggest issues in the real estate sort of grander landscape that we struggle with is this attempt to be universally relevant. Mm. And there's always sacrifices in these formulas about trying to open up a market or a consumer base and try to appeal to them. And oftentimes design is sacrificed on the altar of mass appeal. And so yeah. this, this little trade-off that a lot of people don't even think about, but that you do, you know, what houses am I going to show my client mm. so that we can get best adoption ratio yeah. for quickest to close, you know, timeline versus like, what am I going to put on my Instagram? What am I going to wear? What am I going to drive? How am I going to speak? All of it matters because you are curating a brand. And I really, this wasn't intended to be about branding, but branding is sort of the, the one ring to rule them all, right? It, it, yeah. it becomes this life force that moves through all of it. You are creating a brand, whether you know it or not, in business, People are applying some sort of brand quality or identity to you. Mm -hmm. Are you in control of what that is? Are you making choices that's leading you down a brand path? Yeah. Or are you allowing you to sort of end up in this sort of this mass appeal, sort of quote unquote general category? And I think that's the difficult for all of us is that we tug and we pull this sort of tug of war between like, got to get the biggest audience so that I can have the best safety net for success. And I got to get this niche on the other side to make sure that I actually have 
good, solid, real adoption of what I'm laying down. And now I've been licensed 10 years. So even though I'm not doing as my primary, you know, focus, I still am involved in it. I'm still buying rentals. But when I first got licensed in 2013 to 14, I was probably one of a few realtors in a coffee shop. Now I'm probably one of a few that are not realtors in a coffee shop. And <laughs> every person Tennessee. at the coffee shop is a realtor. So my thinking is, okay, here's how to set yourself apart. If you're thinking about getting in real estate in Nashville, or if you're in real estate in Nashville and you're trying to move your business to the next level, one thing that worked for me was looking around going, everyone's really doing the same thing, trying to get new buyers and sell them whatever they want, show them everything, or I'm trying to get more listings. What I always try to do is list things I love and work with buyers that love the style that I loved. Feels lovely and selfish, but also like super smart. Well, what happened is all of a sudden, instead of being known just as someone that could get the job done, became known as somebody that can help find something that they know they liked. And almost by being a, like by niching down, you, I always had people turning to me. Does that make sense? Totally. Like think about how many people have owned a car company and then how many people have built a Tesla and a brand like Elon, right? Tons of people have done them, but his approach to it was different. He was very outspoken about it and it made you almost go like, well, I kind of want a Tesla. Why? And you're like, well, this guy's interesting. And it like, he found a way of doing something ordinary, but in a way that was very niche to what he loved. And a lot of people were like, Hey, I love that too. And I think for instance, if somebody wanted to right now go, okay, Josh, give me an example. How would I, I love mid-century. How would I create a successful business by, you know, being involved in mid-century home? I'm like, well, make yourself a mid-century specialist, first of all. So learn about the architects of that time, the types of design. And then if I were you, I would go into the tax assessor, circle all of Davidson County, and under the settings area, type in year built. And type in like 1955 to like 1972 and prospect all the homes, especially in Forest Hill and Oak Hill that were very pre predominant in the mid-century architecture and start reaching out to all those off-market properties and say, hey, if you'd ever like to list, I specialize in mid-century modern. I love the architecture of your home. Just wanted to introduce myself. All of a sudden now you're creating listings specifically for a look and a feel that is very popular in the city. Well, the next thing you know, a year or two into your business, you may have at any given moment, three, four, five, six, seven listings that are all something that inspire you because you like it, but also people know to turn to you because that's the style. Something like that. Amazing. You know what now, I mean? Those are poor, unfortunate souls in Green Hills, Forest Hills. We're going to get hit with so many realtors now. <laughs> hey, I saw you have a, a, ma a beam and a <laughs> sloped roof. I like the style of your house. But this no, idea but that we are needing to push ourselves more towards an aesthetic or a brand. If you're just offering a service, let me convey you from one house into another, then that's replaceable by literally another practitioner, mm. as the statistics show us or by any software disruptions that is coming down the line, which of course we're seeing lots of. And so this idea of getting deeper into the niche and specializing, it just becomes this incredible 
piece of the puzzle. And again, to tie it all back, it's design and community mm-hmm. and real estate. And okay. so how are you either a pinnacle or a standout in any one of those aspects? Yeah. And if you can identify that really readily, I, I think that the other pieces sort of start to fall into place. Mm-hmm. But um, a long time ago, you had a real estate um, sort of career that you were pushing and all these sort of design you know, ideas that were sort of bubbling to the services, of course, pre-Withco. And you started to push towards trying to develop a community connection and a community conversation that intersected all of these things. Why, why, why was that happening? I think there was a time in Nashville, it was transitioning from what I call old Nashville to new Nashville. Okay, when, when is that? I'm dying to know. Um, this is my perspective. 2015. Would be the year of 2015 to 2018. I knew it. Where like the growth was here, but you started noticing it was losing a little bit of old Nashville, I think was hyper relational because we'd all been here a lot. And so there was like a level of like a lot of collaboration over competition. Everyone's trying to work together. You, you pretty much knew a lot of the business owners were all hanging out, the startup community, like the realtors. It was just a very, it was a little bit of a different time. And I think what was happening is all these massive flood of new people were coming, not just businesses, but even down to like the 20 year olds, the 30 year olds, 40 year olds, all moving here. And I was like, man, there's about to be a dysfunction in community around people really being connected because there's so many new people coming here. How interesting would it be to do a series like a pop-up series specific to gathering, but have no agenda, not like a networking group or not like uh this is for realtors. This is for X, Y, or Z. It was like, what if it was just called like we had cocktails or drinks? Cause I had a cocktail, I was starting a cocktail company at that time. So I was like, well, that would be easy. Cause we could just provide the drinks. But I was like, what if we just got a bunch of people all in a room that had never met had some music playing and just were like, there you go, hang out. And it seems so simple, but what, what, what would start to happen is everyone we did just got bigger. I think I had 11 people at the first one. And I got up and talked about the power of community because at the end of the day, as humans, like by nature, connection is at our core. Like we get, we're so disconnected through social and everywhere that the world has kind of like developed this uh, sense of isolation. We feel connected because we are followers. We feel connected because people are watching our story or really actually just becoming more and more disconnected. And so, you know, for me, it was like, well, let's just get a bunch of people in a room. I would probably know 10%, 20% of the room. The rest would be like 70, 80, 90% of people that word of mouth were like, Hey, there's this thing at a warehouse. Let's go. And it's funny as the building we're sitting in that right now, I did one in this building upstairs and you know, it was probably 80 to hundred people in there and it was a blast, but it was called cocktails and community and kind of the mission the website is still actually up cocktails The idea was like in a world of social disconnect, like social connection, we've really lost the art of true connection, which is not, it's less about, you know, what do you do? Who do you know? And it's like, who are you? Like, let's get to the real stuff. Let's have like a conversation beyond like, 
well, I, I do this for a living. I'm like, I don't care what you do for a living. Let's get past that. Yeah, Tell me your you? story. And so, you know, to me, it was just, it was, if I could just build community in all things that I do like that, it's kind of been my compass for a lot of things. Like the cocktail company is with co stands for with company. So it was like, Hey, let's use a simple beverage to build a deeper connection, whether that's, you know, people in their living room or coming to a random event because a friend in Nashville was like, come to this thing with me. Um, and that was around that time. I did it from 17 to 18, 2018. And I think the biggest one was like 200 something people and we stopped doing it. You know, it was just a season. I actually said, I want to do something for one year. And that was the idea that came up. So I'm like, I'm just for one year get people together every single month. And I just committed to it. And I actually, funny enough, did one. And on April 31st of this year, five, almost five years to the day from the last one. And it was amazing. I was sitting in the room looking around going like, Oh, I miss this feeling. I'm going to meet like 80% of this room. I have no idea who they are, but tonight we're going to leave and have some form of relationship. And they're going to meet somebody like people used to tell me they would leave cocktails community and months later, like I'm working for somebody or I started a business with somebody that I met there because the idea was like, leave what you do and who you know at the door. Like it's not, that's not why we're here. Come in, talk about who you are. And sometimes I would even have like a uh, prompt or a question. And this last one, I had these conversation coasters, what I call them. And it's just a unique question on the back of the car. Like, you know, who's, who's, if you could spend a day with anybody, who would it be? And what would you ask them? What's something you learned through COVID? What's something most people don't know about you? Like if you, if you started that conversation with more people, you, you get to a level with them a lot faster than like the whole Titans weather golf, what's happening, you know? So I've always been about that. I've always been one that's like, let's prompt true connection. Well, how do you get to true connection? by asking intentional like questions and, and actually caring. And those are some of the best relationships. I noticed over the years, my circle went from knowing a lot of people to being in a relationship and community with a few people. And so, yeah, I think the community thing, and, and that's why I think it was one of the biggest reasons why I loved selling when I was on the real estate side, that was specific to helping people, uh, buy houses, um, you know, traditional realtor, that's what it was about is like getting them to fully envision their own gatherings in the living room, you know, like being like, what, what does this house mean? You know, and of course everyone's like, it's a safe place where we want to gather, where we want to raise our kids. I'm like, that's what we're doing here. We're helping people connect the dots to the place that they're going to do that. And so from real estate to the event series, to the drink company, it's funny how kind of, stewarding or encouraging the connection of community is at the root of all that. It's not funny at all. It's not only very missionally minded, mm-hmm. it is wise from mm. an entrepreneurial perspective. And you didn't mean to be a multifaceted entrepreneur who had all these different things go on, but that's who you've become. Mm. And for all of our listeners here that are, you know, scratching at the ground, all of us are as entrepreneurs trying to get to that next deal, trying to yeah. build their business. You know, today's conversation has been just, I think, really integral in helping us get at two aspects 
that help us take verifiable steps forward in business. You start to look at design and branding and who you are. What is your aesthetic? You know, that pushes you forward in design. It gives you clarity. It gives you a compass bearing and also begins to create a following. And then as we start to look at community as the reason why we're doing all of it, it's the why behind all of it. And not only that, not only is it the motivation potentially, but it's also just a very good old fashioned way for building the very real relationships that we need to be in real estate. Yeah. We always are going to be doing business we know, like, and trust. We know that. And so how are you going to be more visible so that they know you? How are you going to be creating a brand that they want to be around and can trust? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to do business with you because they like everything that they're seeing. And so this is generated through many things, but I think design and community sort of rise to the surface yeah. as the reasons why um, we can take steps forward in business. And my encouragement to anyone listening here is make the hard choices. Look around what is everyone not doing. Yeah. Do that. But most of all, just make a choice. Mm-hmm. The choice to do something is going to be much more powerful and attractive in business than the choice to do nothing. Also, one thing I want to add for people that are maybe thinking like, naturally, I don't see the world in that way. I don't see, I feel like design branding is just, it doesn't come natural to me. I don't think that should be an excuse to not find your unique voice uh, and an interpretation of what you think is beautiful. And because it's very important when people look you up, it's great for them to go like, wow, I'm a, there's an experience. Maybe we should work with this person. I think what I would say is there's a lot of incredibly talented people out there that do this for a living. They'll sit you down. They'll ask you a series of questions. They'll help you create a personal brand around whether it's your business card, your website, your signs, like don't allow it. If it's not a natural ability, don't allow that to keep you from at least taking a first step and go find someone who can interpret just because you may not be able to stage a room. Well, for example, you may be able to see a photo and go, I like how that stage there's people out there that can take that interpretation, bring that to life or take your unique approach of fonts and colors and put together your own logo, your own branding, your own business card. And that's something I do often. I am telling you as much as it seems like, I would naturally be good at all that. A lot of times what I'm doing is sending a Pinterest board of how I see just different characteristics of it, but I can't actually get it to the finish line. And then someone that that is their gift then puts it together and sends it back. And I'm like, Oh, you nailed it. Or you didn't nail it. Let's keep going. And then I see it and I'm like, that's it. So I even do that. I go find people that I'm like, man, I, I don't think I should be like a designer or branding um, professional, but I think my gift is I know how I want it to feel. So when I work with a designer or someone doing branding or illustration, they're like, man, you pretty much painted the picture 99%. And then you allowed me to complete it. So I just want to encourage anybody that might feel like, man, I, I love all this. So I'm just not sure that's me. There's an, ad, you have it in you. And sometimes you might just need somebody to help kind of bring it uh, to fruition. And those people are in your city. They're, they're out there. It's a good reminder that 
both in real estate, but also in the business world in general. Um, it's not meant to be done alone. It mm. is a team sport and it's like community. That's right. It's my community, man. Um, it, it is beholden upon us to take the steps forward mm -hmm. and we can get tricked into the idea that it's all on us to do it. Yeah. And so you're not copying so much as you are emulating, which has this essential piece of you in the yeah. middle of it, you yeah. yourself. And that branding piece becomes just this blend of what you like and what you're oriented towards and where you're going and you. Mm -hmm. yep. Amazing. Josh, thank you so much for helping us go on this journey where we talk about just these important big picture elements that kind of connect us all again. Um, hey, everyone, keep listening here. Hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much for your time. And I hope that you'll stick with us here on the Business of Homes podcast. Hey everyone, Jake again, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. A huge thank you to Josh Ellis for being a part of the podcast. Go follow him on Instagram at Modern Day Leader and let him know how much you enjoyed their story. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well at the Business of Homes Pod. Do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at the Business of Homes Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you soon.